Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to a week 17 edition of the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Blue Wire, a monkey knife fight. I'm your co-host Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, the last full slate of NFL betting, and I think I need a break. Yeah, I'm definitely sad that the regular season's over, but to get somewhat of a relief to not having all the games on Sunday will be nice. Um, We'll definitely miss football once it's gone in February, but I, I'm in agreement with you in some respect there. Yeah, yeah, another wild NFL Sunday. Um, going in, if we spoke about it on the Pick'em podcast, but it felt like with the extra playoff spot plus the new rules around only the one seed getting the bye, there are so many like weird and wonky situations going on with Pittsburgh, who would normally be playing all their guys to get the bye. You had the Bills, and we were kind of in the dark. That line was moving hard towards Miami. Um, because we just all kind of assumed, okay, Josh Allen and their starters will maybe play a quarter or a half, and it didn't even matter. So I, I, it's it's an adjustment for sure for everyone, but it was uh, kind of a crazy way to end the season. Definitely, but it'll be great next week to have three games on Saturday and Sunday. So I do feel bad for Buffalo and the Saints, who each got the two seeds, that they don't get a bye. This is the first year that the second seed doesn't get a buy, and I think those teams are deserving of it, but I'm not going to complain because we'll have extra wild card games next week. So it was a lot of fun uh, today just with all the different scenarios playing out. So team who ended up missing, the Dolphins and the Cardinals, they kind of are on the outside looking in, so they weren't able to get it done, but I'm, I'm excited, especially for the AFC uh, wild card games next week. I think those will be much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the different matchups and the previews, but we'll get started here. Sunday scariest moment. Tyler, I'll start with a, a team that I know is close to your heart out there in Chicago. And my Sunday scariest moment's gotta go for Chicago Bears fans. They start this game today off versus the Packers. Trubisky 
Looks great on the first drive. They basically go right down the field. He's been on fire the past month. Um, and now the second half, they kind of collapse. Aaron Rodgers um, was too much. They could not do anything in the red zone. Questionable play calling on a fourth and one play late in the game that I think really swung it. Um, but ultimately, if you go, I think it was one for four in terms of converting on touchdowns in the red zone when the game was still within hand. Um, and now the Bears fans find themselves at 8-8. Eight and eight. They made the playoffs, so congratulations. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. And they may, Trubisky and Nagy probably did enough for each to come back for at least another season. I imagine they'll be able to get Trubisky on a cheap contract, a short-term kind of incentive-laden deal. And Nagy, similarly, like I, for a while there, it looks like they're about to clean house. And now they are going to make the playoffs, so I guess it's kind of the age-old debate would you rather make the playoffs or blow it up. This team's not doing anything in the NFC playoff picture, so that's my Sunday scariest moment. This team that is just too slightly above mediocre, and they're just going to be kind of stuck in this purgatory, I think, for at least another couple of years. This is like the added element of adding that wild-card team where in previous years the Bears would have missed the playoffs, and it would have – and especially – ending the season like this today where they lose to Green Bay by 19. The game was close for a while, and then the Packers pull away. In previous years, you know, they missed the playoffs like this, probably get fired, and they move on from Trubisky and they get rid of the GM. But I thought Nagy was just he's way too conservative in certain situations uh, today. They, they went for it a lot on fourth down, but early in the game, it was 7-7. They were driving. Um, well, they weren't driving. Green Bay fumbled a punt, and they picked it up. They had the ball in the red zone to start. They had a fourth and two on Green Bay's 12, and they decided to kick the field goal. When you're going up against Aaron Rodgers and how potent this offense has been, they're clicking on all cylinders right now, you have to score touchdowns. Getting field goals will not beat the Packers at this point. They settled for a field goal, and then Green Bay came down, scored a touchdown. And they did fight back, but... In the end, they just didn't have enough. So settling for a field goal early in the game is just very soft, I thought. Um, you have to send the message that you're going for going for the win. And they kicked another field goal. They were down 21-13. to 13. They had an 11-play drive. They had fourth and goal at the two. And they're having a lot of success with Montgomery running and completing short passes with Trubisky. And they kicked the field goal there, too, to make it 21-16. to 16. So another instance where they settled for a field goal. Um, you just can't do that versus the Packers. So his his play calling and decision making was pretty questionable. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit predictable. You look at Trubisky's stat line in this game: thirty three of forty two. Threw the ball forty two times in this game. A game that really until the end was pretty close. They're doing a ton of short passes. It seemed like it was kind of more of the same: drive in, drive out. He only rushed the ball four times. Trubisky kind of felt like he's at his best when he's on the run, making plays with his feet. Uh, they did not have success with David Montgomery running the ball, so credit to the Packers' defense. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it felt so predictable and everything was like kind of your cookie-cutter run play up the middle with Montgomery, and he didn't have a ton of space to actually do anything. But, yeah, I think this game really flipped on, like you said, that fourth and goal. They just kicked the field goal. And then, again, they're driving late in the game, fourth and one. They They had a lot of success on fourth downs. In, these, in this game, but the play call was miserable. I hate the play call on fourth and short or third and goal, whatever it is, when they roll the quarterback and the tight end or the receiver out to the same side and it totally cuts off half of the field. Sometimes, like, if it's a good creative play call or you could run, like, kind of the wheel route on the opposite side and maybe catch someone, but 
They did that with Trubisky. There was no throw there, nothing. Um, so I don't know. This it was it was tough for me because congratulations, Tyler. You you won the regular season year to date overall on this one. Um, you did. Yeah. Why are you looking at me like that? I mean, we still have the Sunday night game. We could tie uh, potentially because I'm up. I'm only up one, right? What was your Sunday night pick? I thought you took Washington, or you took yeah. the under. I took the under. I mean, oh, I also okay. think Washington's going to win, but I took the under, so we could tie. True, um, true, true. But that partially, as I'm watching this game and it's imploding with Trubisky, I'm just getting more, more and more mad at myself. I was like, why, like, why, why did I side with Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Nagy early in the game? I was like, oh, this, this is looking good. Packers look, I don't know, maybe a little slow after that Sunday Night Football big win, but give them credit, Aaron Rodgers, like. The crispness of his passes, I don't know if you feel this way, he's just unbelievable. Like, whether it's Devontae Adams, he hit uh, all this scant- scantling on a long ball in this game. He's just playing on another level right now that I didn't think, in full transparency, I was not in on this Packers team at all, and I know you weren't either going into this year. Yeah, they clinched the one seed, so the road through to the NFC to the Super Bowl goes through there. They only have to win two games at Lambeau, so they're set up well. And they've they've been playing awesome. They go into the playoffs with a six-game winning streak, so they're definitely going to be a tough out there. My Sunday scariest moment is for the Bucks because Mike Evans, they won today. Uh, they won first uh, Atlanta. They ended up pulling away late in that game, but Mike Evans got hurt in the first half of this game, and it looked pretty bad. I don't know what exactly it is yet, but I think he's going to miss the end up missing uh, the playoffs because the way he, he went down, non-contact, his knee buckled, it looked bad. And Bruce Arians' comments after the game were so weird because this wasn't a game like they really needed to win. Yeah, they wanted the five seed, um, but I don't you, know. You want you want that five seed. You want the five seed, but I don't think you need to play your guys the entire game. But his comments after the game just make no sense. He said, we're going to play to win. 11-5, that's very rare to have a chance to get 11-5. and five. Keep that seeding, and then he said, we want that seeding just for pride. We don't care who we play, it's more for pride. So why did you play all your starters the entire game? It just, yeah. well, that, I mean, I that logic that's... isn't consistent. No, I think he's saying that just so he's not putting bulletin board material on either Washington or the Giants locker room this season. But obviously he was like, I'm going to play the NFC East winner over going to Seattle or the Saints, whoever whoever they would have ended up playing. Yeah, I, I guess, but it's still weird. It's a weird thing to say, and if Evans is out, that's a huge blow to their offense. I know AB had a good game in Godwin, and versus Washington or the Giants, it's probably not a big deal, but as you get further into the playoffs, you need Mike Evans. I mean, he this is his seventh year in the league, and he set a record uh, seven straight 1,000-yard seasons to start his career. So if they're out without him, I think that's a huge blow as this team, you know, moves forward in the playoffs. But let's move on to a couple games we preview. One 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 last thing on that. It was weird because I was watching that I mean he drops like a wide open touchdown and he like stands up, tries to walk, like sits back down, tries to stand up again and like you can tell what like if it was a cramp or if it was something worse. Um hopefully it's it's definitely more than a cramp, but hopefully it's not season ending because the Bucks right now and we we knew this was happening because their schedule really opened up at the end but offensively at least they're a very entertaining team to watch yeah I mean they're definitely clicking but their schedule the last month of the season was favorable for them to get into this mode so we'll see I mean Washington's defense 
is pretty good, and Giants gave them some issues earlier in the year, but we'll find out later who they're playing. But let's move on to the AFC. Um, the team that ended up missing the playoffs, the Dolphins, really disappointing end to their season. They got killed today by the Bills, 56-26. to 26. Like you said, Josh Allen ended up playing the first half, and then Matt Barkley played the second half, but didn't really end up mattering. Their defense couldn't get a stop. Tua was horrible. He ended up with 361 yards in this game, but he didn't play well at all. He had three picks, and it, it adds a lot of questions whether he's the guy moving forward. I guess the silver lining is Houston lost, so they have the third pick through them. They also have the 18th pick in the first round. So I think it adds a lot of questions if they're going to maybe draft a quarterback in the first round and try to get rid of Tua and just get more picks from him, I guess. I'm not sure, but going into the offseason, there are definitely a lot of questions about him. Yeah, yeah. And this game highlighted a couple things. One, I tweeted out sarcastically, is Tua just a lefty Nick Mullins? Why I tweeted that is because Nick Mullins will constantly overthrow guys over the middle, which just spells trouble all the time for turnovers and interceptions. Tua had a couple of those. He had bad luck on one of the interceptions. The receiver, I think it was Devontae Parker, just fell coming into the route uh, when the Bills, I think they picked off Barkley. He was like, oh, I think you texted me heartbeat, and then that play happened, pick six immediately. So that that was the kind of day it was betting-wise for me personally. But I think the biggest thing with Tua is, like, a few small things here and there just bothered me out of him. I still think he's... You, I don't think you draft the quarterback at three. I think, one, you, they only have Devontae Parker. Miles Gaskin's like a nice uh, running back, but some, this game they had a few bad drop passes. He's not throwing the ball to anyone, so I think they need to improve his weapons. But a few like red flags out of him. Um, and real quick, benefit of the doubt, there's no preseason. He's coming in off that hip injury, so like I'll give him that. But there is, uh, in the first half, I believe it was towards the end of the first half, right? He he runs up the middle, and he can definitely has a chance to run and dive into the end zone, but instead he slides inside the five-yard line. This isn't like week one or uh, week three of the preseason. This is the game to get into the playoffs. Like, you run, you take off, and you dive, and you try and get in. Saw Baker Mayfield do it all over the place in the game versus the Steelers. Probably the reason the Browns end up winning that game. Uh, so that was one. Second thing is just like, the again the accuracy issues he's all over the place and it kind of seems like I mean he had a number of drop passes in this game maybe it's because the receivers don't have quite as much faith in him I don't know but I think I think they're going to bring him back ultimately but if you're a Dolphins fan this leaves a really sour taste in your mouth and what was other otherwise like none of us were expecting this team to be good I think their over under wins is probably like five and a half coming into the season or something like that so um I don't I don't know where they go from here. I don't think they're drafting another quarterback, but I mean if you just if you fill fill in the pieces around to I think this is a very dangerous team going forward with Brian Flores, but this the end of this season was very disappointing. Yeah, I mean it's super disappointing. They exceeded expectations, but this isn't the way they wanted to end. After especially after last week with the game versus the Raiders, that was an absolute miracle for them to come into this game just needing to win. And the defense was so disappointing. Tua didn't play great at all, but their defense got torched. They gave up 56 points. They gave up a kick ret- or punt return touchdown. And it felt like Josh Allen, when he was in the game, they could do anything. When Barkley came in, they were still able to move the ball. So it didn't matter. That part was surprising me that the defense 
didn't come to play, but maybe they're just, I don't know, guests from the season. And when Fitzmat- Fitzpatrick got – we should have known Fitzpatrick was uh, ruled out early in the week because he has COVID. We should have known that. That was a bad sign because Tua didn't have – they didn't have that, you know, guy in the bullpen to go to. So I don't know what to make of Tua. They clearly didn't trust him. Their play calling was so conservative. Everything is like – a play action and, like, three-yard pass or screen. So they don't trust him. They have the war chest to improve their team drastically. So whether they go with a quarterback or they just beef up the offensive line, get some more weapons on that team, they're in a great position to make a lot of moves. So we'll see. I mean, I would be shocked if they got rid of him, but it is the NFL, and windows are pretty short. Like, that defense, who knows how long they'll be good for. So anything can happen. Um, but let's move on. You mentioned the Steelers-Browns game. Steelers covered, you know, they were around 9.5, 10-point underdogs, so that was good for both of us. We had them, and we're going to see this matchup next week. This is the 3-6. I mean, personally, I don't think the Browns really have a shot versus them, considering they almost lost this game to their backups, but what did you think? Yeah, I, I won't be so quick to assume that, just because, one... Again, the Browns' defense definitely leaves something to be desired, but still like their ability to move the ball on the ground. And Big Ben, you never know what you're going to get there. I was happy that the Steelers covered. Uh, this game, if you're a Browns fan, like it was I, like a roller coaster of emotion. The Browns had never made the playoffs since Red Zone was around, which is pretty crazy. Andrew Siciliano threw that stat out. Um, but they did enough, and like I said, Baker Mayfield made some big plays on the on with his feet, ran for over 40 yards. They did just enough, but I mean, give uh, Mason Rudolph some credit. He actually played pretty well, threw for over 300 yards, threw two touchdowns. He had one bad pick, um, but largely it looked like a competent backup, where last year at times he looked miserable. Um, I mean, they, they drive late, they're down eight, they don't get the two-point conversion, but the onside kick, Tyler... I still don't know how the guy on the Browns actually was able to recover that ball. He, like, got caught in between in the ball. He was basically squatting on the ball, and it was under his butt. And and he somehow held on to the ball as, like, three Steelers were basically nosediving into his legs. But I I don't know. I mean, the Steelers are definitely seem like a pretty obvious play for next week. But NFL playoffs, any anything can happen here. Definitely. I mean, I just – I don't – I don't love this Browns defense at all moving forward into the playoffs for Rudolph to throw 300 yards, two touchdowns. I just, I don't believe in them, but yeah, that onside kick just felt like, it felt like the typical Browns where they're going to blow the game. And it was so weird the way he did it like a soccer goalie, like stopping it in between his legs. And it felt like all the demons they were about to exercise Mm -hmm. were about to come back, but credit to them. Baker, like you said, had the nice scramble on the third down to seal the game. So I am happy for them that they got in. I don't see them having much of a shot for Pittsburgh at full steam, but it'll be uh, it'll be good to get a division rival in there. Um, let's move on to the NFC. A thrilling game in Los Angeles. Rams won 18-7. They knocked out the Cardinals of the playoffs, which I'm very happy about. Cliff Kingsbury just continues to surprise me how horrible of a coach he is. Kyler Murray did miss a lot of the game because he was banged up early in the week, and he came out. Obviously, that hurt them dramatically. He missed basically the whole game. But he came, he came back quarter. in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And that hurt them, but Cliff Kingsbury's decision-making, they were down 18-7 to with four and a half minutes left in the game. 
third and 18, they almost got a delay game. They had to use a timeout, which you knew they were going to need to have. So they call timeout. They come out of the timeout, and Kyler Murray, who is on, like, one good leg, they run a speed option with him. Yeah, to the left. To the left. They don't get it, obviously. <laughs> I think they got stopped at the line. And yeah. then they punt, and they're down 11 with four and a half minutes ago. So yeah, season, at least season's over. Just throw a Hail Mary. Like, he clearly gave up there. I mean, I think there's a good chance he might get fired just the way the season ended and kind of, you know, you expectation. Think so? I think there's a chance. He, he's such a bad coach. I, I mean, come on. It's what, season two? Yeah, he sucks, but also, like, I mean, Kyler looked better at times. He's not going to get fired. I don't know. Our friend Matt Mitchell gave us those great stats about yeah, Cliff Kingsbury's yeah. record down the stretch of the seasons going back to his time at Texas Tech. There's a large enough sample size at this point with this guy. Was that like eight years of coaching? He's a, he's not a good football coach. He's been well, he, he never around. he never he never should have got the job in the first place, right? At the end of the day, he had what four wins of improvement this year. Um, I I don't think he's gonna get fired because unfortunately, if gambling Twitter was his boss, he'd be camped like four weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, but miss, missing the playoffs after where they were just a few weeks ago, it's embarrassing. And just like the decision making, I don't know how you could just run it back. He's he's not getting better in that aspect, so no. I'll get rid of him. But credit yeah. to the Rams, credit to Rams defense, they they played awesome in this game. Mm-hmm. They did. And Goff's re- replacement, John Wolford, his first pass of the game, his first career NFL pass. Did you see it? It was terrible. It was. I tweeted out, it was like literally a Nathan Peterman pass directly to the defense. Like, not really a receiver. It didn't look like miscommunication, just a really bad start. And from there, he course-corrected. He actually looked confident. Like, a good athlete, ran around, ran for 56 yards. I mean, 22-38, But he didn't lose the game. The guy on the Cardinals, he wasn't, wasn't anything special there. So, that was an easy winner for both of us. You had the Rams, I had the under. Um... If Goff can be healthy, I still kind of like this Rams team in the NFC. Please talk me off that. I don't know. I, th- I think even with Walford, if you know, you got that awful pick out of his way. But like you said, he's decent. Like this team, this offense just needs to be decent enough. And they were so bad in the red zone. They were 0 for 4 in the red zone scoring touchdowns. If they had corrected some of those issues, they'd probably win this game by a lot more. So even if it's Wolford or Jared Goff next week for Seattle, I, I like their chances. The defense is good enough to keep them in any game. And we saw it today with Seattle versus the 49ers. They're not, they're not like, all the way there offensively what they were early in the year where they were putting up, like, 35 points a game, and it felt yeah. like no one could guard DK Metcalf. They're struggling. Russell Wilson is still great in big situations. He brought them back in that game, but they're not consistent offensively, so... I yeah, think their this offensive Rams line, their offensive line has, has issues, so mm. that that could spell spell some trouble for them. Um, yeah, yeah. Out of all like the NFC first round matchups, I like that as the upset team right now. We'll we'll see. I mean, Washington, Washington or the Eagles will be an underdog, but or Washington or the Giants will be an underdog. But I don't know. I think the Rams defense is just awesome, and they won them the game today with the pick six that obviously. Helped and it's not like Russ is cooking. Uh, I, like he was I just I don't here. I don't know how Seattle won twelve games this season. I don't know either. Um, another game. Let's get to in the late slate. Um, actually, let's do our let's do our lock of the week recap, Tyler. 
Let's start with that. Your game Did you win yours? Your game, congratulations. You won yours, no sweat. Mine, uh, yeah, it didn't go so well. It didn't go so well. The Raiders did everything in their power to propel an over. In an under, you want a lot of punts. You want um, limited turnovers since they flipped the field, as we learned uh, betting on Bucks overs last year. So Jameis, that magical man that he is, um, the Raiders turned the ball over four times. They had over 110 yards of penalties. The over-under is 51.5 going into the fourth quarter. I was actually in decent position, um, but it just didn't happen, Tyler. So I end the season below 500, which is tough. Uh, it's 7-9-1, and that's not going to get anyone into the playoffs. It's not going to get me a, a raise or promotion or anything. So it's back to the drawing board, middle of the pack. We're going to blow it up. We're going to add a few new uh, inputs into the model. We'll, we'll be back in uh, 2021 season with, uh, I don't know, we'll go 15-1 probably. Yeah, Hate to see that. Um, my lock of the week, Ravens minus 13. Like you said, wasn't a sweat. What I talked about on the podcast, them running the ball, they were averaging over 230 yards over the last month going into this game. They ran for 400 yards today versus Cincinnati. I mean, they looked, they looked awesome, and they're going to get a lot of hype going into the playoffs as they deserve, but also they've kind of been beating some bad teams. So we'll, we'll see what, what Lamar shows up in the playoffs. Um they play Tennessee next week. That's the game I'm most excited for in the wild card round. Those teams played last year in the playoffs, as we remember. Mm-hmm. Played earlier in this year. Tennessee's won the last two. Some bad beef there with Harbaugh and Vrabel and just all of the players there. So I'm most excited for uh, that game, and I think that'll be the best one. Mm-hmm. Especially the way Derrick Henry's playing. It's it's absurd. He rushed for over 2,000 yards. Um, that game was, was very wild. I think it, it was... We spoke about it a little before the podcast. Just a vintage Titans-Texans game. Sean Watson did everything he could. Threw for 365, three touchdowns. Um, and it's just never enough for this Houston team. And and they don't even have their first-round draft pick. So, obviously, a disaster there. Titans, they were playing a fire here, for sure. But, ultimately, Dark Henry was too much. Rushed for 252 touchdowns. This offense can just score, and it, they just put up numbers. Houston tied it late in this game, uh, and Tannehill was able to complete on a big pass play uh, to get them in field goal range. The kicker uh, hit the right upright. It, it bounced in, went left. And I don't know if you noticed this, the placeholder was, like, celebrating before the kick actually went through. <laughs> like, I was kind of hoping he, he would miss it, so it would hit the upright and bounce out, and that kicker would just be kind of old takes exposed. But they do win. They get the job done, and I'm happy, too, because that's, that's the must-see first-round matchups because you know Vrabel cannot stand John Harbaugh. Yeah, I would have felt really bad for the kicker. He just had the look of a kicker who's about to miss, like, an awful, you know, game winner and have that, like – uh, haunt him for the rest of his career if he had one, but yeah, classic game. I mean, I don't understand what the Texans were doing. They tied the game, and they're like 20 seconds left, and they let A.J. Brown run down the field one-on-one. That guy is an absolute beast. Tannehill made a great throw. The 52-yarder set them up for the field goal. I don't know what defense Houston is playing. It's going to be a disaster there in the offseason. You know, what J.J. Watts said last week, he's clearly fed up with the culture and whatever's going on there. He's probably going to be gone. They obviously traded DeAndre Hopkins, and now it's kind of Deshaun Watson on an island. They would have had the third pick this year. They don't have that 
and the third pick in the second round, too, is is usually a good player. So they're an absolute disaster. But Tennessee, I don't know. I feel like they play up and down to the competition. Then whenever they play Houston, the games are close. But I'd expect their defense to play a lot better next week. It just, it just feels like whenever they get into a close game um, with the Ravens, they play better. So I don't know. We'll see. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap the Sunday night game and give out our Grandpa Billy's Bums of the Week. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all this for only 15 dollars a month the same rate as any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, Cody, now let's recap this great Sunday night game we just watched. Uh, Washington clinched the NFC East, winning 20-14. to I also clinched our, the season-long game picks crown over you, so I completed the sweep over you this year in that and the locks of the week crown. So I know you're feeling a little sensitive. It's a little late there in New York, but what were some of your takeaways from this awful game we just watched? <laughs> uh, hell of an intro there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think grandpa Billy's bum of the week and maybe the year, and it would make sense given that grandpa is a giants fan. Just anyone who's a fan of any of these NFC East teams, we got a glimpse into it tonight on prime time. We've seen it bits and pieces, and Washington at times actually looked like a legit team down the stretch with Alex Smith. Not the case at all tonight. Um, and even that Giants-Cowboys game earlier, Andy Dalton threw a terrible, terrible interception at the end of that game. Wayne Gallman, the game's over. He's running past the first down. He fumbles. Somehow he managed to get the ball back. They reviewed it. They kept it uh, with Giants ball, but... Um, this game tonight was like all, all like kind of an all-time crazy gambling game, and, and even just you have Giants fans going into the game rooting for the Eagles, which they're not used to doing at all. Doug Peterson pulls Jalen Hurts, brings in Nate Sudfeld, who's your great um, third stringer for this Eagles team. I actually won the Super Bowl with them back in the Nick Foles year, and he was. He was beyond awful. The whole world's like, okay, it's super obvious he's tanking, X, Y, and Z thing. But for anyone who actually, like, really had, besides just, like, one one bet, but if you were following these teams year, all year, um, I think you're, the whole division's just Grandpa Billy's bum the week slash year, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, the division's been horrible all year, and it culminated in just an awful Sunday night game. I texted you and Alex, our producer, being like, last year's game was for the one seed in the NFC, and it came down to the last play of the game, and that was an awesome game. And this year we had this disgrace. I mean, 
to go to Sudfeld, which is, is so obvious they were tanking, and Jalen Hurts wasn't playing well. Seven of 20, 72 yards a pick. He did have two rushing touchdowns, but... <laughs> He's so, making plays. Yeah, at least he was making some plays, and you're trying to see if Hurts is the starter moving forward because you still have Carson Wentz on this team. Nate Sudfeld, there's no discussion if he's ever going to be the future star of this team. So it's clear what he's doing, and it's kind of a terrible message to send to your team, honestly, because it felt like you could see some of the guys on the sideline being like, what the hell's going on? If they're getting blown out in the game, okay, go to Sudfeld. But it was a close game. They lost by six points. They had a chance to win. And Sudfeld came in. It was such an awful stretch of football. He came in, I think his first pass, he got picked off, or maybe a second pass. Then two plays later, Alex Smith threw a pick. Then two plays later, the Eagles fumbled and Washington got it back. It was just such it was such a horrible stretch of football. It was funny. It was horrifying. It was confusing. Um, so Washington, credit to Ron Rivera, you know, first year, a lot going against his team. They go to the playoffs at 7-9. and nine. They'll play Tampa Bay next Saturday night. Their defense is definitely legit. Um, Chase Young is an absolute stud. The fact Ohio State went from Joey Bosa to Nick Bosa to Chase Young is pretty incredible in a short stretch there. Their defense is good, but I don't think this team has much of a chance. Alex Smith, as much as we love him, uh, he had some rough moments tonight. I can't believe we have to watch this Washington team on primetime again two weeks in a row. It's a tough pill to swallow, but yeah, Chase Young is unbelievable. He's just like all over the field. There's one play where he ran down Jalen Hurts as Jalen Hurts is rolling out to his right. Jalen Hurts' best asset is his ability to make plays with his legs, and he just like chased him down. Is is wild, um, but yeah, this. I'm happy we could put a bow on the NFC East, and I felt like today was like a very fitting ending to a year that all year everyone made jokes. Oh, what's the division winner going to be? Five and eleven, six and ten. We ended up at seven and nine, which we had that few years back with Seattle, and they actually won. They beat the Saints that year, so you never know um, what happens with with these games. But it was it was very funny. It was just a stupefying game, and even at the end of the game, as Washington's running the clock out. Um, Antonio Gibson fumbles the ball. Like it was, it was all over the place. The game, the game was never ending. I'm just very happy not to be a Giants fan right now. Yeah, I mean, Giants fans have a right to be annoyed because it seemed like the Eagles were kind of tanking that game. But you're also a six and ten team. You know, it's not like you were what the Colts could have been going into today, where they're eleven and five and missed the playoffs. The Dolphins end up missing it at ten and six. You're six and ten. You're really not in any position to make the playoffs usually, so you sure. don't have a you don't have a huge leg to stand on. But it's still kind of cheap. What yeah. seems like Doug Peterson was doing, and I, I have no idea what that team is going to do going into next year. Carson Wentz's contract is an albatross. So they're going to have to figure something out how to get rid of him if they want to go with Hurts. I don't know what they do. They said they're going to bring Peterson back, but I, I have no idea where they go from here. Um, but let's move on. So that was your Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. Before we get to my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, I think we have to talk about IU football real quick. Um, they lost their bowl game yesterday. That's, that's not your bum? Uh, no, it's a different college football thing, but they're not my bum. They lost to Ole Miss 26-20. to 20. Um, And I'll be honest, I was very – I was talking a lot of crap, you know, how IU should have been put in a better bowl game, which I still think they should have, how they were disrespected by the college football playoff committee, how, you know, they're going to come out and play well. And I think IU was reading too much into that as well and doing too much talking. They covered 
the Big Ten logo on their jerseys. They took off the Big Ten marker on their helmets or replaced it with LEO. I think there were too many distractions going into this game because I put this game squarely on the coaching staff because they clearly weren't prepared well. Our defensive coordinator got a head coaching job, so I, I doubt he was 100% focused on this game. Didn't seem like he knew Ole Miss ran any sort of hurry-up or fast-paced offense. And offensively, our game plan was horrible. Ole Miss is one of the worst defenses in the NCAA this year, and we had such a bad game plan. Jack Tuttle threw the ball 45 times, and our run game was rushing it well. We only ran it 13 times in the first half for 57 yards. Second half, 27 carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns. By that point, it was too late, but it was a a frustrating game. I used lost four bowl games in my time since going there by a combined 12 points, so they might just not be destined to win a bowl game at this point. Yeah, it was. I was very excited to see how we played versus Ole Miss just because Ohio State laid the smackdown versus Clemson in the semifinal. I was like, oh, wow, we're going to be able to prove all the haters wrong. We're so disrespected. And then you, you just can't lose to a team that had a losing record in a bowl game um, and be considered an elite program. I mean, it's like a sour ending on another otherwise crazy year. Um and a banner year for the Hoosiers, honestly. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Tom Allen got a ton of press. Hopefully that helps with recruiting. And uh, Penix will be back next year, so we'll see. See what happens there. Hopefully, yeah. It's, it's a sour end to a great year. I don't think it invalidates um, how much success they had and the steps they took forward this year. But to lose in this fashion is just so frustrating, especially, like I said, after how disrespected they felt. You can't say that and then drop an egg like this versus Ole Miss, who was 4-5 and five coming into the game. And Ole Miss was pretty good. I mean, if, they get, if Lane Kiffin's able to get some players in there, I think they'll be pretty fun to watch. I mean, the player that killed us on their team was a Taysom Hill-type player, quarterback who's playing like running back and receiver. We had no answer for him. It made no sense. It was super frustrating. So hopefully I is able to carry this momentum into next year. Most of the guys should be back. And if Penix is healthy, that, that's the biggest question. Because I think if they had him, they would have won this game. But definitely frustrating. But you mentioned it. My grandpa Billy's bomb of the week is Dabo Sweeney, another guy who has done so much talking this year. He's, he's very annoying. Um, he put Ohio State 11th in his coach's poll uh, leading up to this, said they shouldn't be in because they didn't play enough games. If you're going to talk all that shit, you have to back it up in this game. And they got absolutely smacked, uh, 49-28. to 28. Justin Fields was incredible in this game. He had as many touchdowns as incompletions in this game, six. And he got popped in the first half. and looked like he might be out, but he came back in and <laughs> really didn't miss a beat. So Dabo Sweeney's my bum of the week to talk all that smack about the Big Ten. They don't deserve to be in here and to lose by 21, to give up over 600 yards of offense. Can't have it, so he's my bum of the week. And didn't he have, he had Ohio State ranked, what, 11th or 12th in the poll? Yeah, 11. Yeah, that that just seems like such like an arrogant move, because you know Ohio State was going to be one of the four. Like, they just were. Um, and to do that, it was obviously very much uh, bulletin board material for Ohio State, and he got his uh, ass handed to him, so... That that playoff is a week from tomorrow or today when people are listening to this. But Tyler, the lines are out. I haven't seen the line yet for Washington versus uh, Tampa, but we have a schedule. We get the extra two games this upcoming weekend, which is amazing. Colts Buffalo this Saturday afternoon. They're the early game at one. 
Uh, Rams, Seattle, 440. Bucks, Washington is the late akin Saturday night NBC game. Then we have Ravens versus Titans, Bears, New Orleans, Browns at Pittsburgh. And looking at the lines here, the biggest spread at this point is Saints minus 8.5 versus the Bears. I imagine the Bucks will probably be around that versus Washington, if not higher. And then the closest spread, the premier matchup, Ravens-Titans. Ravens are minus 3.5. I think that's the most surprising line I've seen. What about you? In terms yeah. of these early lines, yeah, that, that's super surprising that the Ravens are favored. I thought Tennessee might be favored, but like we said, the Ravens are getting a ton of respect given their pedigree, how they ended the season. I mean, they they didn't beat they beat the Browns in a really good game, but other than that, they beat a lot of bad teams. So we'll see. There's a lot of pressure on Lamar because if he plays poorly again in the playoffs, the critics are just going to get louder. It's not like they're going to get rid of him or anything, but this is his third straight year coming into the playoffs. He's 0-2 so far and has played poorly in both games. He needs to play well, especially versus Tennessee team that kind of has had his number so far. So I'm excited for that game. I really like the Saints, minus 8.5. Um, I think after last year's game where they got upset by Minnesota in a similar spot where everyone thought they were going to roll, I think they'll come in focus. But looking forward to that game as well. So I, th- I think it'll be a fun wildcard weekend, and we'll be back on Wednesday to preview all those games and give out some picks. 